probably did hate Mayo and we thought it was hate at the time because these guys are trying to take away our dreams. The Football Pod live Thursday, June 2nd in Castle Bar. Check out otbsports.com forward slash events and get your tickets now. Good evening, lads. Good evening, Di. How are you? Welcome along, everybody. Good stuff. Uh, it is, of course, the uh, GA late night show, the championship phone in. And typically from championship, I'm outside Pierce Stadium here. Uh, thought I'd get away a little bit earlier, but I had to wait a bit, uh, a couple of moments for uh, for Porrick to come out. Um, but uh, evening, everybody. You may guess as well, this is not Tommy Rooney. We believe the rumours on the street are that he's trying to find a venue for the uh, live football show pod in New York at the moment. That's what we... We believe the rumours are at the moment. So I, I'm Jonathan Higgins here and I will try and steer the ship along with Di. And of course, we want to hear from everybody. It's uh, not been the busiest week in terms of uh, games, Di, but a couple of big, big results there as well. The championship is in. We're, we're, we're right in the middle of it now. Yeah, it is kind of expected range this weekend, I think, with Donegal, Galway and Limerick. All fairly comprehensive for a finish, although um, I do think scoreline probably didn't do justification to uh, Tipperary, who were so keen for so long and so good, actually. Really took the fight to Limerick, and when they did, they really showed when you go at a team with ferocity, you can you know, you know can certainly stifle them. With Limerick, Limerick's finish was fantastic. I mean, some of the moves towards the end of the game, the power and pace coming out from their own full back line and the overlapping and that. But it was a really, really good game of hurling, actually. And uh, like I say, it was in the balance up to about eight or nine minutes to go. So still good games left the monster. It's that always the case. And I think we'll, we'll repeat this a lot. Uh, many conversations up and down the country won't we die between now and the end of the, the seasons at the end of July. Can teams just keep that pace for the full 70, 75 minutes with Limerick? Yeah, I mean, Limerick are up there to be shot at. And we'll have this conversation about Limerick and nobody else. Everybody will look at Limerick and say, you know, who can bring them to the very edge? And is there anybody possibly can tip them over the edge? And that's what happens when you're up there. But when kind of when the crosshairs are on you, I mean, you're up there. And today they've answered everything and answered it very, very well. But Tipperary certainly did show today if you can really keep that intensity going, I mean, that's one side trying to stop them. I mean, you've got to score the other end and Tip did, did really well as well on that front. But with the strength of the, be- of the bench, but also with, I guess, key guys coming back from injuries, notably Keane is going to be huge for them. Uh, Pat Morris, he started to find a lot of his form today um, in the half-forward line as well, which, which was kind of lacking a small little bit previously. But... Teams will take hope. Teams have to have hope. Other than that, you just genuflect in front of them. And Tipperary certainly genuflect today. But Limerick, like true champions, showed the power and the pace there for a finish. And, you know, the scoreline, like I say, was probably looks more comprehensive than the actual um, battle that, that ensued. Well, let's yeah, that's uh, let's just run through the scores quickly. Probably people are pulling in their cars from games up and down the country. Um, the two big games yesterday... Uh, but a lot of debate over the venue, but it took place eventually in Parky Ring, and uh, it went to kind of. I think we could have played that game in any venue across the planet, and you'd get a similar score. Kerry ran out fairly comprehensive winners in the end, twenty-three points to eleven over Cork. Uh, another big game then also was a big, uh, big result for Kildare actually in the under twenty 
All-Ireland Football semi-final. They are through to the final after defeating Sligo by 12 points to 7. And then we look into today, I'm just here out from watching Galway give Leitrim a bit of a scalping in the end. 4.20 to 8 points in the end. Uh, four Galway goals coming from substitutes as well. So, Derek Joyce's side are... Cruising along nicely at the moment. That sets up a, a nice, tasty West of Ireland affair at the Connacht final in three weeks' time against Roscommon. So, Roscommon fans, Leitrim fans, get in touch. Indeed, anyone as well. And then up to Ulster, Donegal, uh, a couple of late goals. Two 16 to 16-point winners over Cavan. Donegal march on as well. And then the game you were talking about there, Di, uh, Limerick just putting on the burners in the end. 321 to 33 points victories over Tipperary and in the second uh, All-Ireland uh, under 20 semi-final Tyrone were victorious over Kerry by 114 to 112 so that is Tyrone who will face Kildare in the semi-final and uh, I suppose, speaking of underage uh, results this week as well a die I think we've a, a half an hour feature on the Offaly minor hurlers I believe is, is that right? Well, I was at the game yesterday. I mean, it's a really unique Leinster Provincial final where you have Leash and Offaly and no sign of Wexford or Kilkenny or Dublin, which is um, fairly extraordinary. Um, but it was really good to see. But a great crowd in Tullamore yesterday and a fantastic victory. So it's really good to see that people have improved and following it because I know Offaly County Board and Leash County Boards have got their heads together and it looks like it's going to be Monday week. When you factor in other games that's going on, Offaly Senior Hurlers have a big game down in Kerry next week. So it looks like it's going to go ahead on Monday week. Um, venue to be decided, either Tullamore or either Port Leash. I think they're going to toss for that. So that makes a lot of sense as well. So one team's going to have a, a kind of a home game, but they're so close together on a Monday night. That is to say people having to drive all the way to Kilkenny or something. But Offaly were phenomenal yesterday. And interesting, there's been a lot of talk about this team for the last six months and normally kind of when you hear so much about a, a particular team in Offaly we kind of you know wait a small little bit because we're just not used to any kind of success but they've had big wins over Limerick they've had big wins over Cork coming into this game and um, yesterday I got in 10 minutes into the game they were one four to four, four points down and literally within five or six minutes Offaly just seemed to start taking control and from a long way out looked like they were going to win it so they've had a good battle with Leash already and one of my three points. So how novel is that to see Offaly and Leash, which probably would be considered two of the minnows now with the Harlem world, um, contesting a Leinster minor uh, championship. So it's fantastic. And I would say you're going to get a huge crowd at that because both counties star for success. And our minor footballers are actually playing Dublin next Wednesday night in a provincial semi-final as well. So, you know, you look at what Kildare have done in the under-21s and Offaly were so unlucky not to, to pip Kildare to win that and who knows maybe they could have been looking at appearing in a second under 21 final in a row so a lot of good work been done and I'm really really delighted for Michael Dignan and his team uh, within the county board who've done so much work the last couple of years and like they're not only responsible of course for what happens with these lads over the last couple of years but when there's a good good factor and a good feel factor about the place and you know, money not an expense. I looked at the Offaly boys, the way they were kitted out yesterday in the management and just the best of stuff, the best of gear, the best of food, the best of preparation. So to that end, players feed into it and they're the type of things that do make guys feel good about themselves. So yeah, it was one of those good afternoons yesterday where everyone around us just really went home in good form. 
And before we move on, I know we see Dahi, who is at the uh, Limerick Tipperary game for us, who will be joining us uh, very shortly here as well. But we got, we can't really move on too much without discussing what a victory that was for Leash. Uh, their minor hurlers defeating Kikini in the other semi-final. I know Derek McGrath gets a lot of the, the plaudits, the more, probably the most notable guy with huge volumes of work being done in Leash underage levels as well. And uh, one of those results where you nearly have to double taste. Did I just read that correctly? Just a phenomenal result for them. That's absolutely huge, yeah. I mean, 115 to 15 points. We were tuning in, the guys were looking at Twitter and looking at the scores and kind of keeping an eye on it. But the interesting thing was, from an Offaly point of view, normally you would imagine a result like that and you'd say, geez, it's Leash, Kilkenny are gone. But everyone around was kind of going, no, this is a really, really good Leash team and that's not a surprise. So isn't it great to see that, you know, Leash aren't surprised by beating Kilkenny in a, in a provincial semi-final? That's absolutely fantastic. And this is where it must stem from as well. Uh, you know, success at these grades is, is really, really so important for the likes of us, for the likes of Westmead, for the likes of Leash, etc. be it Kerry or whoever else it is. Um, it's just so important to keep players interested because really interestingly, and I had this conversation with Michael Dignan out for a game of golf early this morning, the fall off of players away from sport is huge at, at, at underage level. So, like, kind of what keeps them there? Been part of something that makes them feel good about themselves. An opportunity to win silverware. To see themselves getting looked after very well. Been made feel important by their county board, etc. All of those things. But he was explaining to me that there's just countrywide, from young age group, from 16, 18, up to 20 years of age, to fall off from young young kids from playing sport is absolutely huge. So, you've got to try and keep them. And, I mean, to keep them... Success is, is is the best recipe for kind of keeping guys interested. It'll, it'll keep most fellas there. A bit of silverware, feeling good about themselves. That's why the likes of the Kilkenny's and the Corks and Tips for so long, there were always a sprinkling of minor under-21 championships that were winning. So it kept, it kept the bulk of guys still there because they always felt maybe that opportunity to win a senior was there. But if you're getting hammered every year, well, it's understandable that more guys are going to fall away. So right now, this minute, we're, we're not world beaters, but we're very, very competitive again. And that, that's a good start. It absolutely is. And it's, it's in qu- quite uh, unique and uh, creates buzz. You can tell even buzz from the outside. So I can only imagine it is what it's like for both counties involved. But don't forget, this is your opportunity to come in, have your rant. Uh, Anthony, you want to talk about over the uh, the weekend's games, this is your opportunity. So just click the request button there and we'll try and get through as many people as possible. Um, we'll go to uh, Dahi Boland there firstly. Dahi, you were down watching your beloved Tipperary, came in with uh, probably not a lot of hope. Um, how, how did things go? And before you get too deep on it, should Glan have been sent off? Should Glan have been sent off, uh, Jonathan? Look, for me, Jonathan... <laughs> There was intent with what he did there. Like, Galan knew exactly what he was doing there. He swung and, look, last last season as well, we know what happened with Galan and Barrett. There was a swipe there. Um, and what happened? But there today now, was it a red card? I don't think it was, but um, it definitely, it was nasty. It was nasty from what, from what Galan did. But look, I suppose a few minutes before that, Tipperary could have had a player sent off, a bit of a high challenge on Dara O'Donovan. Um, so it probably evened itself out. But um, overall, like overall the game, I think when you're looking at the game, Jonathan, looking back, I couldn't believe how scrappy 
Limerick were. I don't know, Dahi, if you agree, probably the scrappiest we've seen Limerick in a long, long time. Um, a lot of unforced errors, you know, their shot selection a bit off, like passing. They just weren't fully there. And I think if you're going to look at the Tipperary performance, which was which was very good, I think you have to look at Limerick first and say, right, they weren't fully at the level we expect them to be at, you know? Um, like, it was really at the in the final quarter there. I felt Tipperary, their legs were going. They were starting to fade away. Players were struggling to track back. Um, and Limerick were just getting a hold, hold on it. But throughout the game, you just felt... Tipperary not getting a goal, you know, was a crucial was a crucial thing in this game. You needed to get a goal there to really lift the mood, and just didn't come about. And really, they didn't really have a goal chance. Tipperary, maybe Michael Breen won, but didn't really have any clear goal chances created. And against this Limerick team, you have to do it. You have to create goal chances to beat them because they're well capable of scoring two or three goals a game and racking up high scores. But um. From a Tipperary point of view, I think, look, coming into the game, as you said, there wasn't a lot of hope around Tipperary coming into this game. Not a lot of support uh, supporters turned up for the match. It was very much the diehard fans. They were there and they made their voices heard. But confidence was very low. Like for me personally, I haven't gone to a Tipperary game sort of fearing as much as I did coming into this game. But leaving it a bit like the Waterford game, a lot of confidence to take away from it regards how they performed. But again, as I said, you have to take this into context. What were Limerick like? What were they like? And as I said, they were off form. So where t- was there a lot to take and feel confident about from Tipperary's point of view? No, there's still a lot to work on. But there's little chung- little pieces there you can take away and start to build on that. And look, I was saying earlier on, even Paddy Stapleton was at the game with us and like Colin Bonner, you have to feel... Sorry for him. Like the amount of players he is dealing without, you know, between retirements and injuries. If you took six or seven players out of that Limerick squad, it would make a huge difference. And they definitely wouldn't be at the level they can be. So like for Tipperary to have, you know, the two, to have Brendan Maher and uh, Paddy Maher not there, Seamus Callanan, Bubbles today, John McGrath, Jason Ford, you also can name Niall O'Mara, um, Brian, o- Brian O'Mara like these are lads that should be starting for Tipperary or have been starting and to take them away that's a lot of experience but a lot of quality but today some of the younger players stood up I thought Connor Stakelum while he didn't score his work rate was, was fantastic and I think the middle third was a section for Tipperary supporters we were really worried about uh, physically how would they cope I didn't think they did too bad there today Jer Brown in the first half he was causing problems and for me, Jer Brown is the type of player Tipperary have been asking for the last number of years. Jer Brown brings pace to this tip side, which they have been missing. And you probably don't see on TV, but this guy, when the ball isn't near him, he's he's trotting around, but then he'll do a little spurt, getting away from his man. He's keeping the defenders guessing, you know, and then you have like Nolan all there. They wouldn't be doing that, but to have a player like Jer doing that, it does keep defenders on their toes and it brings something new to that Tipperary attack um, so yeah the likes of Jay Brown uh, Dylan Quirk who I thought a fantastic game and Connor Stakelum these younger players now they need to be showing that every game now they play develop on that and look this team this Tipperary team it'll take a few years this tra- transition but Tipperary's Tipperary supporters are always going to be expecting 
the highest from them. But I don't think they're as far away as some people might think. I t- it will take a year or two to develop, but I don't think it's as bad as some people think. Johnny, what do you think on that? Tipperary obviously rattled injuries, redevelopment. We've seen other counties struggle. You seemed happy, or you know, those aspects of the performance today that seem to give you a bit of optimism from a Tipperary point of view. Ah, there has to be, but I mean, like you can't paper up, paper over some cracks. Like if you're to take, like the Cork situation, how many years Cork have gone without an All Ireland final? Right, right now, Tip are not genuine contenders for an All Ireland, and there weren't genuine contenders coming into it, and that's more of a reflection, I think, of partially where teams are ahead of them, and the whole restructuring that Tip are going to have to go through. Like, let's face it, the first priority I think for the Tip County Board was probably to get Liam Cal on board, um, and I think a big reason for that is because there was a recognition that. Liam is at a higher level in relation to how teams are playing now and the way Waterford have been playing. And like Waterford have, over the last three or four years, like where they've gone from to where they are at now. I mean, they played a style of hurling four or five years ago that I didn't particularly like, but he has them now kind of coming in waves and attacking in waves and power and pace, looking for goals. They've got size, they've got strength, they can face up to any physical challenges. So I think the Tip County Board recognised that, okay, we're at a bit of a crossroads here. We've had phenomenal success over the years playing a particular traditional type of a brand of hurling with exceptionally skillful players who can do wonderful things. And they did so. But I think there was a genuine uh, recognition that we need to move things on and we've got, we've got to evolve with things and Liam was the ideal candidate to kind of move in and try and get this bunch of players up to the kind of levels where he saw it by nature the fact that he stayed another great Tipperary man and a great hurling man came in in, uh, in column now the difficulty he has is and sport is it's 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 perpetrated through sport all sports over the years you come in after the back of a relatively successful period of time with a team that's aging and you're the next guy in in many respects you're on a hiding to nothing because in a, in a county like tipperary you'll tend not to get plaudits for keeping the ship afloat keeping his game keeping his you know up to a certain level but never really threatening so I have a lot of sympathy for him from that point of view because I guess the tip public are so used to success and playing with a particular type of style. So you could see him on the sideline today. He got very animated with passion when tip maybe were getting simple things like hooks and blocks in that meant an awful lot. And it was great to see his passion on the sideline. But it's it's going to take time in Tipperary. There's no doubt about it. And he's got to be given time to put his own stamp on it because there's always going to be the shadow hanging over it maybe... Liam been the next, you know, appointment in Tipperary, which is difficult in itself. He is his own focus as it is. But yes, there was a lot to take from it. I mean, I watched the game today and went out for a bite to eat beforehand and was talking to a guy from Tullamore who knows a good few of the tip lads, fellas that he does business with. And he just said to me, Jesus, team's not going well in tip. And I said, why are you saying that? And he said, I'm talking to guys during the week and all oh, doom and gloom and, you know, the camp isn't happy and this, that and the other. And that comes when you're not winning. And yet the game that I looked at, I, I, I thought, which didn't surprise me because, like, we've lived in the shadow of Tipperary for so many years and awfully but I, I would, and I think Offaly people so much respect for the tradition and they just keep coming up and meeting these challenges that face them. And yeah, they'll have their down periods for a while, but whatever period tip or down, they'll take a look at things. They'll get good minds in there. They'll look at what's needed. There'll always be players in tip. 
There'll always be skillful players. But Dahi made a good point there. He was talking about particular player and the type of pace which they didn't have. Like, and his movement off the ball. That's something that the likes of Limerick and Waterford are doing, you know, ad nauseum without even having to think about it at this stage. And there's a lot of their players are doing it. Whereas Tip kind of always predicated on fastball in, guys with exceptional speed and or, 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 or touch and vision and accuracy. All the guys mentioned, Bubbles, Callanan, Brian O'Mara, all of these fellas, but they're not there now. They weren't there today. So Tip have to bring this new generation through. They're going to find them. They'll have find them they will come again how long is very difficult to say and that's one thing Dahi as well actually with Connor Stakelum again regards his impact on the ball you may not you may have you may not have seen a lot from him but off the ball the hook and the work rate he was getting the amount of pressure he was putting on the Limerick puck out like regards the balance of that half forward line again like physically you're saying right these lads they're not going to be able to match the likes of Hannon Morrissey and Dermot Burns, but work rate wise, by God, they absolutely delivered there today. Like, 100%. very impressed with Stakem, very impressed. Like, as I said, just the hooking, blocking, and even Dylan Quirk in the halfback line, he was in Garrod Garrity's face anytime there was a puck out, making sure he didn't get an easy ball, you know. So, just those little simple things, you know, are, are key to look out for. And then, as, as you were saying, develop on them. At, as we know, it's going to take a while, but just those little things are, they're the little bits I'm taking away from today the positive aspects. But as I said, you do have to look at Limerick and maybe not as on form as they usually would be. Which would you not agree? A lot of that to me was down to Tipperary and the way they went about their business today. And you have to see these unheralded players showing scant regard for the opposition that they're making. And that doesn't surprise me with Tip. Just like they just showed scant regard for for kind of the opposition. And and Garouge, yeah, I found it hard. But I mean, when you look at the last eight, ten minutes, I mean, the movement coming from the full back line through the lines, that power and pace, wasn't it just phenomenal to see? It was. And and I tell you what, Dahi, as well, like you're probably looking, what was it, around the 50th minute, um, I think Kyle Hayes was in on goal and Dylan Quirk tracked him back, got a hook in and like you had the, the big fist pump from Dylan sort of shouting in Kyle's face and I saw Colin Bonner on the sideline as well. He was pumped up. The Tipperary fans were pumped up but Limerick seemed to, you know, take a bit from that themselves and like at the end, as you're saying, those last maybe eight or ten minutes, just the experience, that power and that composure as well. It just started to to come true and when Limerick are flowing like they're they are a joy to watch like some of the stuff they did. like even that ball Seamus Flanagan gave to Connor Boylan you know he made it look a lot ball, easier yeah. than it was you know made it look a lot easier than it was that pass but fantastic pass and Connor Boylan finished it off and you know that really sunk the the ship for Tipperary I think when that second goal uh, went in I thought one of the the interesting battles throughout the game was obviously Galan and Cahill Barish. And like I was asking Paddy Stapleton, you know, you, you have these high balls coming into Galan and like he's winning so much of them. And you're saying to yourself, right, keep him in there. But as a cornerback, I'm sort of interested. How on earth do you stop this guy when a high ball is coming in? And like Cahill Barrett, one of the best cornerbacks in the country. And, you know, I thought he, he didn't do too bad of a job, but I think Galan had them moments. He did come out on top, but just... For me, Galan, when he's on when he's on form, and he was on form today, he's just so hard to stop. And when he is clicking, you know that Limerick t- attack is clicking, and you you just see how crucial he is 
to that Limerick forward line. Yeah, I, I actually thought Barrett did very well in them for the bulk of the game. But I mean, it's an interesting point you raise. How much of it is coached? Um, I honestly think they would spend a lot of time on catching. And that a lot of that is down to where you position yourself when a ball is coming in. That is, as the ball is in the air, if you're going to catch it, you've got to get your body right in line with the ball. But you've got to get yourself into the favourable position that you know you've got your man. You have him where you want him. If that means then that you can hold him off with your arm or the strength of your body on one side, getting that ground and holding that ground when the ball's in the air. And I thought that's what he did very well. He didn't have to lean across on, on either of the balls that he caught. He just, there were brilliant catches, there's no doubt about it. But he had got himself in line and then was with it, he was with able to withstand any of the physicality as the ball was dropping down where a lighter guy could have been moved off a small little bit. Like, I mean, there's tricks of the trades there as well. When a guy is going up to catch a ball, just across his arm with your own arm, just at the last second, or bring your hand across his hand. I mean, it's the forward's job to catch it and score. It's your job to stop him. So, you, you know, I, I actually think I'd like to have seen Barrett a little bit better under those balls, but they were phenomenal catches. There's no doubt about it. It's when a guy is confident and he knew he knew at that stage that when that ball was coming down, he had one thing in his mind and that was it. I'd like to have seen Cahill pose just a little bit more difficulty under the dropping yeah. ball and that, to be honest with you, but they were great catches. No, they were. And also as well, like, I think you look at the Tipperary full forward line, one thing I was probably disappointed about maybe not enough ball going up to them, um, especially in the first half. Because uh, Mark Yo, for me, Mark Yo, I don't know if you've seen him a lot in the Fitzgibbon Cup, but this guy, when he's playing Fitzgibbon Cup hurling, he's an absolute nightmare to get a hold of. Like this guy, when he gets the ball, the first thing he's looking at is, right, where's the where's the goal? I'm going for goal all the time. That's And sometimes, as a Tipperary supporter, you get frustrated because sometimes he does it too much but he has that eye for goal. And just I felt there today, maybe Tip didn't use that full forward line enough just to test out that Limerick full back line. So you, you see on the one hand, Limerick tactically, they know what they're doing. They know what type of ball they're sending up to that full forward line. Whereas Tipperary, maybe there's still a bit of development there as to what type of ball needs to go up to that full, full forward line to keep them more active into the game. Interesting to hear if we get anybody from Tipper Limerick just giving the views on that today as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, guys. As I repeat, this is the GA Late Night. This is the uh, the championship phone-in show. This is your opportunity. Click request to join down there. We'll try and get as many people in. Limerick fans, are you happy the way your side uh, are uh, cruising along is probably the best word. And, and Tip fans especially. It's been uh, difficult all year, really, and departures and injuries have really added to that as well and watching your neighbours being so dominant as well it can't be too uh, can't be too pleasing uh, I certainly know from uh, being a, a Galway uh, supporter over the years you're watching your rivals in Mayo cruising cruising to uh, to glory uh, it is but anyone else as well I'll quickly run through the scores there as well just a reminder lads and girls and everyone jumping in the cars um, wins today for, for Galway for Donegal for Leitrim as we said also Tyrone in the under 20 semi-final and of course Cork getting defeated by Kerry last night and Kildare uh, defeating Sligo last week's uh, last night as well in the other under 20 semi-final do get in touch we want to try and get through as many people as Jonathan, possible can I just say as well I know you were talking about earlier on but Leach and Offaly getting to the minor final like I think the hurling public that is fantastic to see. Like, again, we don't have a lot of teams at the very top. 
So you, you want to see more teams competing at the very top and you want to see Offaly, you want to see Offaly back at the very top. You want to see Leash, you know, getting to a level that they haven't been before. But to see it at minor level, you know, there's no reason why we can't see Leash and Offaly, you know, reach these Leinster finals a bit more often, you know, but to see it there now, a unique, unique final. And like I'm sure the Leash public, Offaly, you know, the Offaly public, you know, they'll be definitely taught, this will be huge like in those two counties building up to it. Because both county, both teams will feel they can win it. But I think even as the hurling public, there'll be a huge eye on this final, like just to see some of the players as to who in the future will be keeping an eye out for. Who's the big name from each county? But it's such a positive story which hurling needs. Because as I said, it, you know there's not a lot of a lot of teams play, uh, competing for the Lee McCarthy. But seeing stories like this, it gives you a bit of hope that hurling is going in the right direction and. Hopefully, in years to come, you know, we'll see the likes of Leash and Offaly getting back to some sort of competitive nature when it comes to the highest level. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. As I said, it was a result that made me uh, just give a double glance, really, particularly the Leash one over Kilkenny. That one really, really grabbed my eye. We have, I'm always a little bit worried when the official count comes on, so I hope I haven't been in trouble. We have the Goey GA, I don't know, account uh, requested to join here. I'm not sure if it's Michelle or who's on the account. If you want to uh, give your views, probably very happy, like most Goey people were, with that uh, victory over Leitrim today in Pierce Stadium. I'm not sure. Do you want to join the conversation here on a GA late night? If you want to unmute your mic, uh, you can join join us here. Um, as I said, good a good victory uh, today for Porrick Joyce's side. Twenty three points in the end was the difference between the sides. Limerick, to be fair, or sorry, Leitrim, even to be fair, Limerick on the mind, um, put up quite battle, impressive um, at various stages in the first half were level. Uh, three times in the opening half and uh, with 21 minutes gone it was uh, uh, it was only a point between the sides but Galway just put the afterburners on a little bit too much and were able to just uh, squeeze things out I don't think they want to uh, join us uh, there there at the moment but uh, we'll keep on of uh, course um, Di uh, you know when you are a team that has a, a big victory over your rival uh, first day out uh, over over your biggest rivals Mayo and that you just do enough and then you come back and you're in a no-win situation with the greatest respect to Leitrim you know it's a if you win it's like fair play if you struggle to win it's like you should have done better um, but just in another important step here for Boric Joyce's aside who have been off the off the boil the, the last couple of years it has been said but uh, kind of one yeah, of those that was doomed damned if you do damned if you won't isn't it kind of die well it is but I mean they did what they had to do and it was a professional performance there's no doubt and it's a big score as well and it was always going to happen with due respect I mean if you beat Mayo you're not going to lose to Leitrim and your sights have got to be set on minimum Nestor Cup and after that then I'm sure Pori Joyce personally and within the whole collective um, group mindset will certainly he'll be privately thinking uh, on you know the old adage on any given day, there's no reason why we should fear anyone. If he believes that they've got, you know, the ability defensively, midfield, in attack, enough scores, driven, fitness-wise, you know, everything that they need. Well, then Galway, traditionally, you know, have been able to go to Crow Park, take on big teams, play really good brand of football. Never seem to lack belief in themselves before, which is a good thing. It's like down back in the days at particular times when they had very good sides. There was a touch of a swagger to down whenever they came to Crow Park. However infrequent, they always seemed to think, 
they had every right to be there. And Galway always give me that impression, watching them many, many years, going back to, I can remember my first All-Ireland final as a child, looking at it was the 74 one. And seeing Galway there in 82 in a semi-final, there again in the final in 83, they were there. Yeah, Beth Donegal in the, in the All-Ireland semi-final. That, and you go on through the decades and Galway have always kind of been there or thereabouts. And then when they came and won a couple of All-Irelands, they played a great brand of football. They played a great brand of football in 98. Even when Kildare looked really good in the first half, Galway came out and just played a better brand of football and good forwards, good footballers, well able to take scores, Ja Fallon and Joyce and, you know, fellas like that, Niall Finnegan. I mean, great footballers. So, you know, Galway, Galway, Galway will have a bit of belief about themselves. They'll keep their feet on the ground because the old nemesis is waiting for them as well. Let's not, let, let's not beat around the bush. The Rossies are a good side. And they've been well able for Galway the last number of years. So Mayo are gone out of Connacht. They're not gone altogether, but Galway still have a, have a job of work to do against Roscommon. One thing I always feel as well with Galway, actually, lads, is um, a bit like Tipperary. Like for me, Galway easily, you could say, over the last 10, 15 years, have had some of the you know most skillful individuals in the country. Like you look at the current crop, you have Comer there, Shane Walsh, like go back years and years ago uh, when Michael Meehan and Sean Armstrong were there, like such lovely players to look at, easy on the eye, but the balance of the team was never, never there. And that's always what let them down, I feel. You know, whereas Podrick Joyce is coming in, he's trying to find that blend, find that balance, because we know it. We know this Galway team, you know, individually, they're up there. Maybe not, maybe they're not up there with Kerry and Dublin, but for me, they're the next, they're, they're that next team that next team there that has the individual quality to go on and win the All-Ireland. It's just a case of gelling that team together, defensively making sure that unit is tight, then you don't have to create a lot of space there for attacking forwards to get at you. But the ingredients are there for this team to go on and do something this year. But as you said, Dahi, they're coming up against Ross Gorman, who have beaten them already this year. And Ross Gorman, they will fully... I think Ross Gorman will have more belief in beating Galway than if Mayo were in the final. That's what I feel. If, yeah. if Mayo were there, they might feel a little bit like, right, this is Mayo. You know, when it comes to the, the big games, Mayo can always perform. Whereas Galway, when it comes to that big game, you just don't know if they'll fully be there sometimes on the day. And I think Ross Gorman will feel, you know, that Connacht final, there's definitely a game on to win there. This yeah, certainly is, and we have got Paul Flaherty actually from the. Sorry, Doug, we have Paul Flaherty here from What's the Score, who's going to join us there as well. He was at you were at the uh, game in Salt Hill, Paul. Yeah, um, very well. Uh, not a lot of people were there because they thought it was a foregone conclusion, which it turned out to be. But uh, it was very, um, you know, uh, good from a Galway perspective. Like four twenty on any day is very good. Um, two goals from Patrick Kelly there and Owen Gallagher as well towards the end just really wrapped it up. So they were very impressive uh, throughout. And as the two dies were saying, like you know, Galway have been there thereabouts uh, the last few years, even when um, before the COVID they were. Kind of Pori Joyce is in Division One, and they had a great start. And the, uh, everyone in Goy reckons that the COVID ruined their chances that year um, of uh, getting to the Division One League final. So um, things are coming back there well for Goy. They're, they're gelling well this year. Great winning against uh, Mayo in Mayo. It's always good uh, to beat them in their own in their home patch. So uh, yeah, very impressive from Goy. I was going to ask the question, I was interested in Dahi's point there about after maybe Kerry and Dublin that Gaul would be next. 
I, I still think they have a little bit to go. Um, I, I, I don't think football or footballing ability is a question with Galway, but if you were to take the likes of a Monaghan in the latter stages of a championship in a quarter final, like Monaghan to me are a hardened type of side who have been through battles. Like that to me would be a litmus test for a Galway side to come up against someone like Monaghan who 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 go to the ends of the earth on, on, on a day to, to win a game. Like, I mean, they've come up short over the last few years and there's probably been only three or four teams ahead of them in Ireland. Monaghan have been quite unlucky, but they're a hardened and a, and a battle side. I'd love to see the likes of Monaghan and Galway and see how Galway would stand up to this incessant pressure in their faces, whether whether they've moved on to the levels now that they can kick on past the likes of, the likes of a Monaghan. Well, I think what I meant there, Dahi, that like individual talent alone, if you just look at them, like for me, Galway are just behind. But as a collective, as a collective, what you're saying there, if Galway were to come up against Monaghan, I 100% agree. Like that's the type of test Galway now need to prove they can beat because the last few years they haven't been able to prove it. As I said, the individual talent is there. But as we know, indiv- individual talent cannot win you in All-Ireland. You need to back it up with a lot more than that. And this is where I think this year we need to see that from Galway to see have they developed, have they taken that next step. And obviously that next step, they have to win Connacht. Like for me, if they don't go on and win Connacht, that's a huge setback, a huge setback. Yeah, I think I think I think what's vital to that is that let's say Goy went down, they got uh, relegated in Division One, and you know you want to see them playing against Monaghan, Kerry, uh, you know when when you play four away games and three at home, or vice versa. So I think getting relegated to go uh, to Division Two didn't help Galway. Try, try, but they've they've definitely built. Let's say Port Joyce has reflected. They've obviously got promoted to Division Two last Ross Common in the final but I think with to get to Division 1 uh, next year I think that they'll learn a lot there again but I do agree that this kind of final is probably bigger for Galway than it is for Roscommon because Roscommon have been there they have uh, they've already bet uh, Galway this year and even in previous years they're kind of the bogey team there so I think there's more for there's more at stake for Galway in this kind of final than there is for, for Roscommon yeah, I sort of feel like with Roscommon like for me Roscommon have is it, it's probably it might be unfair to say it, but they have probably overachieved over the last number of years, winning two Connacht titles. You know, and obviously they are going up and down between Division One and Two. But um, for me, like this current crop, Ross Gomin have like the likes of Enda Smith in there and Demirtas that have been there. Like this is a, they're fantastic players and a brilliant team. But I think Anthony Cunningham has got the very best out of them. The very best out of Ross Gomin for me is reaching an All-Ireland quarter-final, whether that's winning Connacht or going through the back door. And as you said, is it, who's it more important for? Like, if Roscommon don't win the, the Connacht title, I don't think they'll be too disheartened. They'll get another day out and they'll see, again, if Roscommon made an All-Ireland semi-final this year, you know, that's, that's a huge achievement. I don't see it happening. But for me with Galway, Connacht, like this year, it's all about winning Connacht. If they don't do that and then if they can't get onto an All-Ireland semi-final depending on how who they face you know it will be a, a disappointing year Paul of course as well you have played under under the, uh, the the small ball shall we say you played under Anthony Cunningham with the with the Galway Hurlers and no doubt he was perched uh, someplace in the trees here in Salt Hill watching on watching trying to see how he can get his third victory over Galway this year 
What's he going to be like in the dressing room now and, and the build-up now with three weeks to go to come into Pierce Stadium to try and win the Nestor Cup? Will he be calm and composed or will he be as uh, as wound up and as uh, hyped up as he looks at the, on the sideline at times? Oh, he will 100% be wound up and ready to go. Uh, that's, that's just Anthony Cunningham style. But he, you, you, you feed into him like, you know, he brings a lot of energy to the camp. Uh, he'll definitely get you riled up. I was lucky enough in 2015, uh, I got drafted into the guys set up after the Fitzgibbon campaign. So I was there for, we got to the All-Ireland against Kilkenny and uh, we're actually leading at half time. But uh, unfortunately, Kilkenny came out in the second half and just kind of started hurling and we lost by four points in the end but he does bring a lot he, he'll definitely have the tactics board out in the next two or three weeks I, I'm it's seven years ago since uh, since his management that I was under but uh, I, I wouldn't imagine he's changed much since um, he, he definitely out with the tactics board uh, definitely wound up gets a lot uh, gets the the, the lads around them, they'll, they'll be psyched up. And I think if Ross Common kind of feed off that kind of uh, mentality and, you know, get, getting uh, big big hits, big shoulders in for the first 10, 15 minutes of the match and uh, making sure that Galway know that it's not going to be an easy day uh, in the height. So um, Antti Cunningham will have them uh, definitely ready to go and uh, it should be an interesting game. It's it's going to be a hard one to call. And as we kind of said earlier, Galway definitely have more to lose, but it's 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 going to be a hard one if I'd say it's, if, if you're or with the bookies or put money on it, it'd be, it'd be close enough, um, even money. Uh. And of course, Di, uh, that manic aggression is probably what the Rossies are going to need to bring to uh, to go. We have seen Galway being a bit more, maybe less of the romantic, beautiful football. We saw them play, you know, a, a well-thought, defensive enough setup at times against Mayo, but it's just going to be, there's going to be so much on, on the line here in the Connacht final. Yeah, it's interesting as a comparison. If you look at uh, Cavan today, a couple of times Cavan kind of went for Hail Mary shots and just didn't want to recycle the ball back out. And it just seemed to be against their kind of psyche to keep on recycling it. If it's not on, bring it back again. Whereas the likes of a Donegal type of teams are so methodical about the way they do it. And sometimes, okay, it's painful to watch. But they're smart about what they do. If it's not on, they don't go for it. And I think Galway, looking at them, definitely have learned that, particularly when you're coming up against someone like Mayo, that you can't rush things. And if you're the player in possession that psychologically you're not thinking, oh, the crowd are kind of getting on our backs here, I need to have a shot for goals, stick to the plan, stick to the process. The process is, it's about keeping possession. And like Galway have so many natural footballers that if at times you just need a half a yard from 40 yards to be able to kick a ball over the bar. Now, Sometimes you've got to be able to do that. You have to be, you know, you can't get the perfect pass and the perfect move the whole time. So there's a balance there that Galway seem to be striking now. They've been pretty pragmatic, recognised that football has been changing and has changed over the years. So nice traditional type of football, catch and kick, that, that's gone. Nor do Galway play it. I mean, you see that, that the numbers they get back when they don't have the ball. It's about getting forward in numbers and getting back defensively in numbers. And that kind of suits good football teams as well. The more footballers that you have, their skill set should see them, you know, withstand tackles, solo under pressure. The difficulty is if you, like Dahi correctly mentions there, it's you just have to have the balance. You have to have players that... Okay, the old days you went out and you brought your aggression for so far. That's all it does is it only brings you so far. But that day is long since gone. It's about processes and doing the right things and the game changers then that come in and fitting into the system and doing smart things or attempting to do smart things. And that's play well, play well 
maintaining your skill set, play well, maintaining the skill set under pressure. And if you can execute the three of them and the bulk of your collective can do that, well, then you're putting yourself in with a good chance. So one or two players going off and doing something by themselves that's out of you know, kilter with what the management want, well, then that's the type of thing that can cost you. And at times, Cavan kicked very aimlessly. It was like the guy on it thought, oh, we've enough of this. We, we'll have a shot. Their cornerback came up at one stage and kicked a horrendous score or a wide. Like, you wouldn't see one of the Donegal boys do that or, you know, the better side. They'll be patient. They'll bring it back. They'll regurgitate, uh, recycle, and they'll go again. And if it takes another minute and a half or two minutes before they get an opportunity to shoot, that's what they'll do, and that's why the best teams can do that under pressure. Keep, you know, keep their heads. Long were the days gone by where the uh, whether it would be Gaelic football or hurling, the cornerback would uh, catch a ball from the skies, drive forward, and uh, just aimlessly either kick it or, or puck it down the pitch and get a roar of the crowd. As you said, Ty, those days are well and truly gone. Yeah, I mean. I suppose from a supporter's point of view, there's an element of, I suppose, from my generation that we really enjoyed the minor game yesterday. It was, there was certainly tactics employed, hugely, awfully played two guys inside. One of them is an outstanding hurler who we'll hear an awful lot more about down the line, young screeny. It's a while since I've seen a guy with so much talent on a ball, skill set, speed, and for a small light fella, as brave as anything. But there was, there was good, there was good skill sets, there was two inside, a floating forward, and I thought Dublin were very naive. At times, I thought they should have set someone in, in, in front of the two cornerbacks that were there. They made no change until 10 minutes to go on young screeny. But the other side of the coin is, and I see it was posted on YouTube not so long ago, and it was a clip It happened to be from the 96 Leinster final between Offaly and Wexford, and I think the ball was in play for something like two and a half minutes. And within that time, it was just up and down the field, catches, striking, yeah, at times, aimless striking. At times, there was poor striking. But the interesting thing is, if you listen to the crowd, one second is the Wexford crowd standing on their feet because George O'Connor has made a great catch and hit it down the field. And next thing, within seconds, it's the Offaly crowd up on their feet because Whelan has intercepted and sent a great cross-field ball. And then two fellas come out and hurls flake and there's a clash of the ash and hurls fly in the air and the ball goes nowhere and the crowd are on their feet. Like... Yeah, that's great. That was great. That was enjoyable. But that's you can't do that now. If you, if you send a team out like that nowadays, you just you get pummeled. You just but from a participation point of view, it was wonderful for the crowd, and that's the game that was played at the time. Where I find it falls down a small little bit now, and I'm coaching a team at the moment, is a lot of the skills or what would have been core skills that we had. I just would like to see them been coached into players to make better players. And to me, the best players are the ones with all of the skill sets, that they can do it all and they can do it all under pressure. I mean, I've seen scenarios with Tip a couple of weeks ago uh, against Clare. We spoke about him, the, the full forward. and He went through, lost the ball, turned and went to strike it from about seven yards out and didn't leave a grain in it. If that was been done down training seven or eight minutes every single night, you know, and put it into a goal-scoring opportunities, look at the back of the ball, strike with the wrist, that would have been a goal. And I've seen that... Those chances turned down so many, so often over the last couple of years because that skill hasn't been coached into them. But there's a lot of, you know, as we, we know, it's 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 power, pace, possession, heads up hurling, and when it's played well with two very good sides, yeah, it's absolutely great to watch. As you're saying there, lads, like Jonathan, in terms of the the corner back that has changed, like there today, I was looking at Sean Fain, and like this guy, he's what twenty six maybe. 
and I was looking at him. He's just under six foot and he's 92 kg. Like this guy could be playing for Munster. Like he's a bulk of a man. But regards to, like him as a cornerback, like right, Jackie Terrell, one of the greatest cornerbacks we've ever seen. You go back to the 60s, anyone that saw John Doyle, they'll probably argue he was the greatest full, uh, cornerback of all time. You know, like currently, like recent years, Paul Murphy, Cottle Barrett. But Sean Finn, this is an elite athlete, what we're seeing here. This guy is on another level to any cornerback I've seen. Like, even there today, like, he just does the simple things well. Um, the short passing game, heads up, um, regards his tackling, hooking and blocking, like, just the technique he has. Everything about Sean Finn is just, it's amazing to watch him. Um, like, if again, if hurling was, like, on the level of soccer, we would be calling Sean Finn world class. He's that good. And I don't think there's anyone I've seen anyone that, ha- that has got on top of Sean Finn in a match like he's just so good and regards the corner back he's like we talk about Keen Lynch and Kyle Hayes being probably two of Limerick's most important players along with Gerard Hegarty but you take Sean Finn out of that full back line suddenly it looks like maybe that full back line can be got at and I think that just shows where Sean Finn um, is regarded now in the game but I think it shows where he's bringing that level of the cornerback nowadays, a bit like Tyke Furlong in rugby in terms of the prop. Like he's not Tyke Furlong is a lot more than just scrummaging. Like this guy can dance on his feet, he can set up play, he's a ball carrier. Sean Finn is like that. Sean Finn can collect the ball off Nicky Quaid and he can scan up the field and pinpoint the pass easily. Like he's just phenomenal. And I think that shows the development of the cornerback where back in when you were playing Dahi, you know, you would have had probably a smaller guy back there and literally if the ball was coming in, pull on the ground or pick it up straight away and straight down the field. And um, where Sean Finn it's just it just it's it's just ama- amazing to watch him. As I say, he's just a complete athlete and you know, regards what we expect now from a cornerback, it, it, you are looking at who can who can be better than than Sean Finn now. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting. Often with teams over the years, I would have said the Kilkenny team that won the four in a row, I would have likened them to the All Blacks at their best. And I would liken now this Limerick team to the All Blacks at their best, which is basically simplicity done absolutely brilliantly. And I'm always reminded of Kilkenny's second goal in the 9 final against Tipperary, where Owen Larkin threw a hand pass to Martin Comer for going through at speed. He never broke stride. And it was a long hand pass. He took it fully in his stride. Cummins was coming out of the goals. He took it and within one step had hit it low and hard under. And I've often said to players, if that pass went two inches ahead of him or two inches behind him, the goal opportunity would have been lost. But nobody would have picked it out afterwards and said if that had gone to hand because it was a percentage kind of hand pass. But if you go back over Kilkenny, and I, and I liken it to Limerick now, they just hit so many passes directly to hand. The All Blacks, the great All Black sides, you know, when they're spinning the ball across the back line, every player that took it, took it at speed, hands out in front, whereas at times, you know, our guys or the other Northern Hemisphere teams, a pass might go slightly behind. You'd have to just readjust for a split second. But a split second in elite sport is two yards gone and two yards is back behind the gain line. Gain line or two yards or two inches and a hand pass is possession lost the ball goes to deck and then you're into a big rook. Limerick retain possession very, very well. They make less mistakes than everybody else. They hit 30, 40 yard hand passes most of the time to hand. When they go to catch, it tends to stick. 
when they played a percentage ball into the forward line, the forward's already ready, ready, his run is already ready made. But usually, the accuracy of the pass means that when you see Galan on television coming out to the ball, it's the 15 yards before that. It's when he's timed his run. And I watched him a couple of times, particularly against Galway, when the wonder first All-Ireland. From the puckouts, you want to see Flanagan making his run and the times he was making his run. And every Limerick player was attuned. So one guy that was making from right half forward, a run across the half forward line, it was all pre-orchestrated. Everybody played their part in Flanagan coming out and winning the ball. They just do sim- simplicity perfect, where other teams tend to huff and puff. And it's like, how do we stop them? If you can stop Limerick playing, you know, the exactness to their game, and that just takes so much out of you. And you've also got to hurl well and outscore them as well, which is why at the moment they are on a level better than everybody else. It's not going to be easy to bring these guys down. Don't forget, guys, this is the GA Late Night, the Championship phone-in show. So come join us. Uh, Donegal fans, anybody out there happy with your side's victory over Cavan? Cavan fans on the flip side, uh, two late goals um, have put a, a stumper on things. Uh, Kerry fans, we haven't heard Kerry in Cork. We haven't heard much from yesterday's fallout after uh, that game that eventually took place in, in Porky Ring. And don't worry, there won't be a discussion about a handshake in sight here. So do click along, click request. We'll try and get to as many people as possible. This is your opportunity to, to come in. But Di, you were, um, you were, you said you were, you were speaking about the how efficient and how, I suppose, professional Donegal were at times. Um, a deserved win for them uh, over Cabin today. Ah, uh, it was. Yeah, I watched it in its entirety. Cabin were were coltish in many respects. Like they kicked the ball in long, whereas Donegal were walking it through the lines. And some of the kick passing from Cavan was very, very good. But you just kind of got the sense, even though they were level at halftime, and Donegal went three points ahead by the 50th minute, and then Cavan kicked three really good points in a row. But Murphy was very much in, in, instrumental. And interestingly, the two Donegal goals actually came from attempts at points, which just went way up in the air and ball broken on both occasions, like were finished to the net. They weren't created. But Donegal are still a good side. Donegal have good footballers. Donegal have a mix of power and pace. And they've got Gael and McBrearty and Murphy are definitely still pulling the strings up there. Like, they're worth a pun for us. There's no doubt about that. They would have done it at the start of the year. To me, it would have been Monaghan, Monaghan Donegal and Tyrone. But to be fair... Do you think, Dahi? Really um, do you think, Dahi, with um, Donegal, looking back a bit like... Um, rem- remember Waterford in, t- in 2007. We all thought that was the year... And obviously it didn't happen. Limerick caught them on the bounce. Then 2008, they made the All-Ireland final. But, you know, that year had passed and we weren't looking at that Waterford Waterford team the same. Like, with only a year had passed, but we weren't looking at them. In 2007, we were saying, right, this is really a team that can win the All-Ireland. 2008, I don't think there was that same expectation. Donegal now, the last two years, maybe 2020, I think a lot of people were hopeful to see, you know, Dublin-Donegal semi-final and see what Donegal could do. Two years have passed there now. Um, do we still feel maybe Donegal have that that game in them, that level where, you know, when it comes to, if they were to meet, let's say, a carry down the line, that they could, you know, pull, pull it out of the bag? I would be very, very surprised. I actually think Donegal's chance went in 2016, and I can remember doing a hurling and football preview with a number of players from hurling and football back the years. And at that stage, I think there was six of us on a panel and we were asked kind of predictions for the hurling and the football. So they asked the hurlers what we thought about the football. 
And I think at the time, I was the only one that went for Donegal to win Ulster and Donegal to win the All-Ireland as well. And it was kind of like, me and Mira Hertig was there and we were chatting after and he said, Jesus, you know, these hurlers don't know a lot about football. I said, you're, you're wrong. I said, Jim McGuinness has them carte blanche. There's no club football. Jim McGuinness had them as a professional team for the whole summer and they came within an ace. They hit Dublin, nearly were gone in the game at halftime in the All-Ireland semi-final. They were literally a point or two from being overwhelmed and then the game plan kicked in with the long kickouts and the boys flicking it through and then runners just pouring through and they scored three goals in the second half and Dublin had no answer that was down to the fact that McGuinness had them exclusively so things can be done and games can be won with top class managers and a bunch of players who three or four years earlier were absolutely annihilated by Armagh up in the athletic grounds in a qualifier so literally within three years McGuinness had them at that level you know, they'd won in All-Ireland previously. They were back in another one, so it can be done. I don't think Donegal are, are at the levels that they were back then. But then you're not going to have the same performances from a change of bunch of players every year. And I thought that was a great side. I don't think it was a great side. I think it's a good, hardened, experienced side. But again, I would question whether there's enough scoring power throughout the forward line you know, to stop the likes of a Kerry or a Dublin or a Mayo or even arguably a Galway. But again, I would throw Donegal into the mix against the likes of Galway and say, now Galway, okay, you're a good side. You know, you're the coming team. Go out and beat Donegal. If you do, I think we'll start to look at you because they're the type of team that would have taken down Galway before when the metal was tested. On the flip side, then, Di, um, Cabin, you know, it's been difficulty going down to Division 4. We all remember the glory of, of 2020 with that remarkable Ulster Championship. I think, don't, with great respect, I don't think anybody expected or predicted. How, how were Cabin? Six-point defeat in the end. Um, what's the future looking like for, for, for Mikey Graham's side? Mickey Graham has done a very good, you know, Division 4 is not where they should be, but it's where we're at. Um, they didn't play like a Division 4 side so you know you got to align yourself for a league you've got to get wins in a league you've got to get promoted and the likes of a cabin need to be getting themselves up a division and then getting competitive in the division that they're in like you'll have good performances in Ulster today cabin were good but they just lacked the guile that Donegal did like when the game was there with about 14 minutes to go and they were level and you're thinking, God, there's an opportunity here. It's probably unlikely, but it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world. And then Donegal just kicked on. And when they did, they were coming in droves. They were pouring through the lines. And, you know, Cavendish were game to the end, looked better than the Vision Foresight. What they need to turn around and look to now, particularly in the coming year, will be league. You've got to get promoted in the league. You've got to copper fasten your, your position then in the league. You've got to look at two, three-year programmes. The players you've got who we don't have, who we want on the squad, who's committing to it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a problem for an awful lot of counties at the moment. You'd often hear the argument that fellas, you know, aren't committing to the county. or And it's difficult if it's a thing that, that you have to have ambition. And that's about personal pride a lot of the times because silverware can appear a long way off. But you just have to man up, stay at it, try and make breakthroughs, try and get big wins. It's happened before. Kevin have done it before, the proud traditional county. So, you know, get out of that division. Copper fasten yourself in the division, you know, above and, and work on it from there. Yeah, a reminder again, this is the GA Late Night Show, the championship phone-in, so do get in touch, press that request button. Uh, we'd love to hear from, from people who haven't heard much down south from yesterday's game, 23 points to 11 victory for Kerry over Cork. Cork fans, what's the future? I know difficult 
issues uh, literally off the pitch. Well, no Jonathan, pun intended. If, if Cork were going well, don't you worry. The Cork fans would be on here straight away. <laughs> you can say, can't get the tip out of a man, can you? You travel, we travel you around, we try and blend you into Galway for a while, but the the only have us die hard, die. Oh, the Cork fans would be here now if things are going well. But look, like looking at Cork regards football and hurling, you know, it's not great to see like Cork, you know, the GA as a whole, I think you want to see Cork doing well in both, both codes. You know, it's good for the game to see them, you know, at the highest level in both codes. And look, they're one of very few counties that can compete at both codes. There's no reasons why they can't, but you know, off the field, they have had their issues over a number of years and on the field, it's just, it's not working out. Um, like regards to footballers yesterday, like a bit like, I suppose, Tipperary come to Limerick, there was no hope really given. Um, and I think Kerry, you know, th- what happened in 2020, I think that has tuned this Kerry team up a lot more that day. They went down to Parky Rain, you know, knowing they couldn't allow something like that happen again. Um but yeah, no, look, Cork, you, you do hope they can quicker than later, you know, come back to a competitive nature of, in terms of winning all Ireland's, but it isn't, it isn't looking pretty. It's not good, actually. No, it's not, it's not good. I mean, like the football has really regressed so far back. It's just incredible. I mean, to think a couple of years ago, they did for Kerry and there was so much buoyancy around the place and then Tip tip come and win a, a great monster final and everything just seems to have disintegrated since then. I mean, like it's last three months the word has been and it's been very, very clear and apparent to all. It's been well reported on that. It's not a happy camp. And, and another thing as well, Dahi, like again, Cork, Clare, they have individ- great individ- individual skillful players there. But I think you then look at, now I'm not, I'm not criticising managers here, like again, um, Rick and I know he's not there at the moment but he's only came in so it's going to take a while to bed there but if you look at managers of certain counties as you were talking about Jim McGuinness like even we look at soccer Jurgen Klopp Pep Guardiola the top managers how they can manage their teams get them at cer- a certain level and to get them at a certain level so quick I think it, you, you have to look at managers nowadays and even Liam Cattle there now again they do need a bit of time, but straight away they're able to get a stamp on on the team the way they want to set up. Like the very, the very uh, cream of the crop managers, how they do it, I don't know. Um, but it it is a remarkable talent, I think, to have a manager that can, you know, turn a team around from you know laying low, really struggling, and then get them to a certain level. And you know, for Cork, is there? a certain person out there that could be that type of, is there a Jim McGuinness in Cork that could do that fairly quickly, get their team turned around and, you know, get them, you know, competing for all Ireland again. I don't know, but, you know, just, just thinking that there regards to soccer, like Jurgen Klopp, the job he's done, like it's amazing. And I think maybe we should be focusing a bit more on the managers we have in the GA, like what Jim Gavin did, John Kiley there, and just, you know, how we can learn from them as to what exactly they're doing right and you know what is it that you have to be now to be that elite elite manager i think that's what i'm trying to say here yeah. what is it that brings you to that top level as a as a manager yeah it's it's a very very good point it's a really important point and i often harbor back to anthony daly i mean i think daly has the x factor i mean when he came into dublin 
Leinster title, National League title, a couple of All-Ireland semi-final appearances. He just has the Midas touch. But what I love about Daly is looking at him when Dublin won their Leinster title and, and National League title, that, like, I have a brother-in-law, that, Ray Finn, that's involved with the Dublin Hurlers, Kitman and that, and, like, he would talk about the love that the players have for Daly. Yet, he could drive them on hugely and set expectations set metrics for them they want it for nothing they absolutely love their manager like it's so important to play for your manager it really is and I heard I heard Mark Landers talk about the other day when he was involved with Jimmy Barry Murphy an extraordinary comment whenever they'd be playing a championship game 10 minutes into the game Jimmy Barry would turn around and he'd say they're playing for us they're playing for the management and you shouldn't underestimate that because if the group is good and the manager has created He's the leader. He's the focal point at the end of the day. In many respects, he sets the tune and the agenda and he sets the objectives out and everybody's got to buy into it. But if you have a manager that you, you just absolutely love him and you respect him hugely, you hang on his kind of every word and you love the way he goes about his thing, you feel, you feel good yourself as an individual because a great manager knows how to talk to different players and get the best from them. And I often think nowadays there's too much collective coaching. We don't do enough individual coaching. We don't really, really look at a player and see, wow, he's not strong off his right. There's a number of games that we've seen him been caught on that side. And then you go to him and you say, listen, we want to improve you as a player. Really great managers and coaches do that. And players love that feedback. Players then, if they start to improve, they, they'll put it down to the manager and they'll respect them for it and they'll play for them. So that, that's a huge part where you get a bunch of players hugely driven because the man or the group of people at the top are so respected. It, it can do an awful lot. Like, let's not forget, Jim McGuinness once went into a Donegal um, interview in front of the county board, brought in a laptop and was shown kind of graphs about where they were going and they didn't want them. They didn't want them because we wanted the same. We didn't want something new. Something new worried us kind of thing. So McGuinness was totally innovative. And if it didn't suit everybody or you didn't want to buy into it, you weren't part of it and that was it. And they won an All-Ireland and very nearly won a second. If Jim McGuinness wasn't there, Donegal don't get to an All-Ireland and Donegal don't win it. That's the influence that that man had. Would you see yeah. similarities, uh, Dahi, between Liam Cattle and John Coyley? Pardon me? Would you see similarities in personnel between John Coyley and Liam Cahill? I would see similarities in the way that they're both playing and the approach that they take to it. I see similarities in that don't don't think for one second John Coyley's not a ruthless man because he absolutely is. And it'd be pretty known down there that the Limerick players know exactly what their responsibilities are. And I'm not just talking about when they're on the field, wearing the green, when they're off the field and they're out and about in their private lives. There's an expectation as to how you live your lives. I thought his move and not starting Austin after Austin was sent off down in Nolan Park against Wexford was a good move. I thought it was a very strong move. Waterford need Austin Gleeson. But at that stage, Liam had kind of had enough of the petulance and I have no doubt sat him down, told him where it was at. But if you can do it in a really good way with a particular individual that you that you walk away or the player walks away and said, I needed that. I got it between the eyes, maybe an arm around the shoulder before the conversation ended. I don't know. But I think Liam Cattle has the ability to know his players, know how you talk to each individual one. And if you can maximise the performance levels from all your players because of what you do personally with them, not just collectively, I think you're a great manager. And I think Liam Cattle has shown with the way Waterford are playing that he is a brilliant strategist. 
and the people around them are brilliant strategists. They just happen to be coming up at the moment against probably the top strategist, and I include Kinnerk in that, and Limerick's performance levels and the quality that Limerick have. And I think they'll meet again. I think we all think they'll meet again. And I go back to Daly. Daly has it. If I was Cork County Board, I said it about Galway years ago, and I said it about Dublin again. Go after Daly. If you want to progress and start to push for silverware, I just think Daly, you'll have fellas from all over Dublin looking to play hurling. When he left, a lot of guys left. When he left, to me, in many respects, the heart was torn out at Dublin team. But players, you know, have to be able to stand up when the next guy comes in. But when you get someone as FRS and as Anthony Daly around, uh, uh, you know, around the dressing room, it's like when Mick O'Dwyer left Kildare, they'd nearly done the Holy Grail. I think it was a Pat Nolan came in afterwards. And I just thought, this poor kid is on a hiding to nothing here because every ounce of energy the Kildare players had, they'd given to win that All-Ireland. And then kind of the guru and leader was gone and then had this really good guy coming in, but he wasn't Mick O'Dwyer. If he asked him to die on their feet or do whatever, it just wasn't going to carry the same weight. Moyes was the same with United as well. You're often on a hiding to nothing when you follow an extraordinary individual. Well, I suppose if we look, if we look kind of and, and just steer it along a little more, and again, I'd love a, a few more um, supporters would uh, would join us here in the conversation here on GA Late Night. We see Kerry; they had that big enough result over Cork last last night in Porky Ring, twenty three points to eleven. But for me, that I have to say, and I'm sure everybody, uh, a couple of people noticed as well, is Jack O'Connor has a multi highly skilled squad. But the work rate of the Kerry whole team in hounds, they just, at times, it looked like they squeezed the life out of Cork on the pitch. It was just manic watching the work rate. They were similar towards the end of the league final as well against Mayo. You see some of the most skillful players. And I'm not sure if this is down to Paddy Talley's involvement from the coach perspective, but they are just hyped up machines and just dogged, dogged work rate. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's down to the management team again. I was interested in the point you made earlier, uh, and I was thinking of Jack O'Connor. Like, Kerry might win the All-Ireland final, but I'll tell you what, there'll be no banana skin with them. Kerry won't lose to an inferior team because, like, you've just pointed it out there, the work rate against Cork, who they were going to beat, who they kind of took them a little bit of time to get the result and kind of put it beyond doubt. But... They'll be so professional, every one of those players, that the, the, I, I don't envisage Kerry will, will, will get caught onto maybe an All-Ireland semi-final or final if, it, if they're not to win it. And it'll be against maybe a Dublin or a Mayo most likely if they're not to win it. But I think they probably could and will. But you just think with Jack O'Connor, this, this is a ruthless manager. There's no doubt about it down in Kerry. He's very, very driven. And you can't say that they're performing now the way they've done the last previous years. Like, he just doesn't accept half-hearted effort or, you know, not every player giving it out there for the whole collective. And, and there's no doubt Tally is well-respected and has been in Northern football, schools, football, the whole thing over the years and brings a little bit that maybe Kerry were lacking. And if the players have bought into him, like him and believe him, well, then that's a fair mixture along with uh, Jack O'Connor's innate ability to manage people. And just, what's uh, really... Go on, go on, Dye, go on, Dye, you go on. No, this is Paul here. No, I just uh, reiterating uh, Dahi's point there. Let's say just coming from a guy perspective there, like, and you talk about managers and buying in. I suppose going over the let's say just going let's say from a hurling aspect, they always had the players, but they never really like Michael Dunne who came in in 2016 
and everyone blended in straight away and they got to the All-Ireland semi-final. And then he, he changed a few things up and if you ever listen to his punditry on RTE, he's always talking about standards and that's what he did in 2017, let's say. Every week at train, he'd always be like, you have to raise the standard each and every player. Like he didn't, he didn't let anyone let up either, even if it was Joe Canning or if it was the, the number 35 on the panel. He had respect for everyone. He worked with kind of, you know, he knew not to give out to some lads and he kind of uh, give other lads a tap on the back, like you know. So when you talk about uh, managers and uh, like Michael Dunahoo definitely comes into that fray, and I'm not sure why, um, you know, with Anthony Daly kind of similarity, why hasn't anyone picked up on kind of Michael Dunahoo? I know he was um, rumored with kind of Tipperary there uh, before Columbana, and I think he might be in with Killadangan in the club scene, but like he is definitely uh, an inter county. Uh, manager, which probably should get a, a role in in the next uh, few years, and I, I think he's kind of maybe underrated because, um, like, he got Galway. There was a twenty nine year gap there, and he got them to the to the promised land, like so. So um, he's but definitely. Wouldn't he have, um, like, to be fair about it, I mean, the Galway hurling public, and I think the Galway squad wanted him retained. To be fair about it, I, I yeah. think there was no question. No, no, nobody yeah. from the Galway Galway players' point of view or anything. None of them wanted him gone. No, no, he met, um, and I don't, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs, but there was definitely uh, outside um, um, aspects that were influencing the decision there. Because, like, we had we had a players' meeting. Uh, I remember in uh, Lock George uh, or Clarence Bridge, and we, we, everyone was on the same boat. Like, he, 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 you know, his, his training, his coaching background, Franny Ford and Noel Larkin and uh, John Lucas there from the Polish um, SSE coach. Like, we wanted that same team of, uh, they, they were like, they're probably like the Canucks of, of uh, today, like, you know, so it, we didn't didn't want to get rid of them, um, but there was just other aspects that, like, uh, that influenced his decision. But uh, I think even, even before they got Henry Shefflin in, they approached him at the start of this year, or let's say, in November of last year to come back in, but uh, the same issues arose again. Like you know, so yeah. um, and when you say you play when you when you're playing for for a manager there, like Henry Shefflin has come in, and I think even in. Uh, Goy versus Kilkenny the last day like you could see the players are actually playing for Henry Shefflin now as well and I think he like he's obviously good success there with Ballyhale uh, in the club scene as well so I think Goy this year in the hurling I'm probably going a bit off, off field here on the, on the point but I think the, the the players are definitely playing for Henry and uh, I think he, he he has that kind of stature as well uh, in, in his managerial career as well Without a doubt yeah I think um, well, we, with um, Henry Shefflin, that win again, to beat, like, obviously he's a Kilkenny man, a Kilkenny legend, but to beat Kilkenny, you're just talking about players playing for him. I think supporters are now supporting Shefflin a lot more after beating Kilkenny. And I, I also feel like with Liam Cahill, like last year when Waterford beat Tipperary, you know, Waterford supporters took Liam Cahill in more. And obviously with him staying on with Waterford, Waterford, the, he's practically a Waterford man now. It's this, this stage you could say like he's fully bled into what Waterford is, and I think Shefflin there now, the supporters very much are with Shefflin, and it's going to be interesting to see how this Galway team develops and how they grow. Like living in Galway there now, I can see the the supporters there to talk. It's a bit more upbeat around Galway, whereas before the Kilkenny game, there would have been you know bits of negative talk around this team and sort of very much unsure as to where it was going. But after that, and you would have saw it there on TV, 
uh, during the game, the celebrations, you know, the joy of the fans after that win. And like, as I said, the whole week, there has been a lot of positive talk uh, around that Galway Hurling team. And, you know, it just shows what a win can do. And for a manager, an outside manager, to get a win over your own county, how it can sort of lead you into what the, the team you're managing is, you know? Yeah. Do you know, yeah. Do you know, do you know what's very interesting on that as well is that, so Liam Cowles with Waterford, and they have so much respect for him, and he desperate to win an All-Ireland final. Eamon Cregan was with us, and the same thing. Um, and you look at Henry, but be under no illusions, as much as they want to win for the counties that they're with, if Liam Cal does eventually go back and it's his choice to go and take the Tipperary job, he will bleed Tipperary. Because when you're over your own, there's no doubt about it, successful managers want to win and leave their mark over the team that's there. And there's an egotistical thing in many respects in that, of course you want to win. You want to be remembered as a good manager. And I always remember Eamon Cregan when Offaly beat Limerick on the pitch, a lot of the Limerick selectors and the older Limerick people going to shake hands with him because they would have recognised him as one of the greats of the game and all he'd done for Limerick. And Eamon nearly looked tearful. And I always, always, always maintained that Eamon Cregan inside was, was absolutely over the moon because he had been managing Limerick before and he was he was totally pillared by the Limerick hurling public and he wasn't up to managing them and he had no success with them, etc. So there was that kind of element of, you know, your own personal pride that here he was able to go somewhere else and win an Ireland and then doing it against your own county. He would have actually taken more from that. That's human nature. That's not a criticism of Eamon Cregan. But he always kind of said it, it, it broke his heart. I think on the day when it's there, there's an element of you that would, yeah, because it's your own, you want to win it. That might sound a little perverse in some ways, but I just think it's the nature of sport and that ambition to win. And then if he goes, as he did back down to Limerick, of course he would have given anything, more than anything, to win one with Limerick. Of course he would, but it just wasn't to be for him. But that's the nature of us all wanting to win. It doesn't matter, even if it's against your own. You just want to win because the team that you're putting out in the park represent themselves, their families, but they represent you as a manager as well. So how they perform reflects on you and we all want to be reflected well in life. Declan, here you are uh, from Limerick, I see. If you want to unmute your mic and uh, join us here, probably uh, probably happy with uh, that uh, victory over your neighbours Tipperary there uh, earlier on today. Harry, uh, yeah, we were down there. Yeah, yeah. And it was a good performance and, you know, in the end, you know, but I... I I don't think it left the fervour, you know, of a championship match, you know, for some reason. Um, but Limerick, uh, you know, did the business. But but what I'd ask Dahi there now, it's a kind of a strange question, you know. But, you know, I, you know, I've been involved in J there. Like, you'd often have situations where the, the officials can often, and this is a dislike players, if you know what I mean. That nearly, I don't know, does that resonate with you, Dahi, or any of the other people, you know. And I often say that... You know, that it, to be a manager, a successful manager at club level or county, you know, that you have to like your players, you know, like the players. But I don't know, have you come across that, you know, when uh, you'd actually have people <laughs> who actually don't like the players? Well, I think that's very, very interesting and very apt that you're saying it. And I think it's very true. I, I, I don't necessarily know at inter-county level, although I suspect there have been times over the years where that may have occurred. I know, for example, I'm managing a team and we played a match last night and I pleaded with the players beforehand, when he makes his decision, walk away, doesn't matter how good your argument is, he's not going to say, you're right, I've made a mistake, I'll change my mind. 
and I ended up absolutely going to town in them. And I have no doubt that the level of, it's not abuse, but it was given out to him and given out to him, that it stuck with him. And you kind of started to feel there was more decisions coming against you again because, as the fella says, I think he took again me. And if I was in his shoes, I'd have took again me because mm-hmm. I didn't shut my mouth on the on the sideline. I got on his back. He was there on a Saturday night, didn't need that. And then I just thought he started giving a lot of decisions. And it's like the fella says, maybe a little bit of a slow learner I am. And you realise today, walking around the place, you know, you're better off, you get more respect if you say nothing. I think referees recognise respect, not abuse. Yes. So I think it's a really good point. And I do think over the years, I think Davy at times probably, you know, suffered. And I think his teams at times suffered. I'm reminded of the Wexford drawn game down in Ennis a number of years ago. And also the replay in Wexford Park. And I thought at times some of the decisions were very harsh on Clare and Davy and the ref were at it. And I just thought it probably mitigated against them. So less said is probably best. And allowing the job, I think you'll get a fair return yeah. if you leave him alone. But it's a but, good point. But, I, but, but, but the point, that I, I think you might have missed my point a small bit. You know, I mean, I, I know myself, I was involved, you know, with, with, with teams, right? And, you know, and I had fierce time for my players, you know, and I would do anything for them. But I'd often be at a, an AGM and you'd hear in the background, the mind him, give them nothing. You know, and what I'm talking about <laughs> is officials within the GA. And I often think, like, we won a county back in 92. It wasn't one before or hasn't been won since in our own parish of Brooke, Sean Finn's uh, club. But, but, you know, but it's the idea, like, that you, you respect your players. You, you want to do everything for them. And that there's an element within the GA where they actually they nearly they dislike the players. Can you hear what I'm saying there? Yeah, I do, and and I think I, I I I think that's kind of something that's a case in life as well in Ireland. In that sometimes if you see people doing very well and extraordinarily well and achieving, that there's an element of people who kind of begrudge it. I, I think that is the same in the GEA, but I don't think it's unique to the GEA. But a hundred percent take your point, and I I think it is a fair comment, but I don't think it is just solely a GEA issue. I mean, I I love to see players do well. I love to see players get rewards from the games. You'd, you'd hear counties doing well and the players maybe all getting landed with teaching jobs in their home county. And I think that's the way it should be. And been successful. And if they get sponsored a car, and I remember in 95, this was a new scene. There was a couple of our guys, Kevin Martin and Johnny Doody got cars and their names were on the side of them. Two more humble young gentlemen you could not meet. But then you'd hear this thing going around the place. So, oh, clear better than the All-Ireland show. Why wouldn't they? The two lads driving around in their big cars and nearly begrudging them. And you're kind of going, what in God's name is that about? But I, I do think it's probably more an element of an Irish thing, but it certainly would be in the GA, but not unique to it. Yeah, yeah because it's very interesting even today, you know, because, you know, at stages today, Limerick, you know, weren't firing at all cylinders. But how quickly I feel that you could... Have, spectators, um, you know, getting hostile towards players who have given us everything, who have, they owe us nothing, you know, we spent long enough, you know, I was in Crow Park the day you were playing, I was a photographer walking, going up to take the photograph of the cup, thinking that it was Limerick was taking the cup, <laughs> we were told to move up and take photos of the, you know, so, like, but what I, and I even said it to our own lads, I said, look, whatever, if you of us go to the match, I said, whatever we do, we, we'll never criticise them. 
you know, but I can assure you it won't take long before people will start, you know, criticising players, even though they might have given you incredible... But, like, players to me are everything, and they're the people who have to be respected at all costs, because they're the players. We, we do it for the players, and if we don't respect them... And I think that might be an issue with a lot of... I'm not just saying it, but when you do that for the players, they will respond. Yeah, I think what you're saying there, Declan, like to, now I didn't feel any hostility towards the players from Limerick supporters today. But what you're saying there, like if we take Kilkenny, for example, the Kilkenny supporters, you know, you had that great success for so long um, and the supporters were great during that time. Whereas now they're probably, you know, expecting that same standard. The players aren't there. And maybe that's what your point is there. Like the Kilkenny supporters... Their expectations are so high now that the current crop of players aren't delivering. And like what you're saying now with Limerick, look, the good times, they won't be around forever for Limerick. So at some stage when this Limerick team are starting to uh, dwindle down, then, you know, support the Limerick supporters might start getting on their back a little bit, I suppose, like Tipperary, you know, supporters getting on the current crop of players' backs, you know, expecting them to be like Paddy Maher and Brendan Maher. Um, but... Yeah, no, it's an interesting point, all right. Um, but I think it, that does come with success. You know, supporters then wanting more of it. Um, but sadly, it just doesn't last forever, does it? Very true. Well, thank you, Declan. Well, I, I know from uh, look, looking at your uh, Limerick side, and uh, I think uh, it'll be a long time before anybody is saying anything negative about that side. Uh, just... Uh, certainly uh, putting the, themselves on the top of the mountain and, and saying everyone else come join us buddies if you can <laughs> I have to laugh because I was like trying to fill it today he said get that hang up the off the feet oh jeez and, 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 and that is true and I was I'm not telling a lot but, but I mean like I like Joe Hegarty is such a marvellous player but and just to make the point just about Limerick now and, and it might be the same but the, what amazes me is at times the sublimeness of what to do like Morrissey got a point out. I know other guys do it and everything, but he got a point out from the sideline and you're sort of, you know, of him. And we'll say uh, Glenn as well today. He caught one ball from behind the fullback. You know, it was sometimes, and that's what I just think, just uh, from the, just to talk about the whole match, that some of what they do is sublime. You know, it's almost beyond the beyonds of of, of excellence, you know, and that's what I love about this Lee McCollum team at times, and you can see it numerous times, you know. But today wasn't maybe the greatest day, but still there was some of the, you know, that type of, like, you know, Hegarty got a ball into his hand at one stage, and I just said, how did he do that? But then I'm just waffling there, but then I leave it at that. <laughs> No worries. Thank you very much for, for joining us here on GA Late Night. Um, thank you very much, De Declan. As I said, this is the, the phone-in show. Uh, we're almost at last order, so if anyone else wants to join in and talk about the weekend games, if anyone's just hopping in the car or whatever, just to refresh over the main results of the weekend, uh, we look back to yesterday. Kildare's 12.7 uh, victories over Sligo in the All-Ireland Football Under-20 semi-final. And then Cork have on that 23 points to 11 victory over Cork in Porky Ring. And then on to today. Can I just make... Dahi, do you know what's amazing as well? We're going into a Tipperary and Cork game and it's going to be a complete damn squid. Like, yeah. can you can you ever recall a Tipperary-Cork game that had less importance? Like, Will you get five or seven thousand at it? Oh, Christ, will you? Will you even will, get five thousand? Like, will you even get it? Yeah, I don't know. Is that where? Where is that one? 
that game. Oh, where is that game? I think that that's in Turles. That's down in Turles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're if you're Cork, I mean, to be fair about it, family and close friends, fair enough. But I mean, you know, really, are you going to travel up for it? But it's amazing to think like Cork tip down in Turles, like the town would be jam packed, the pubs yeah. like flying, and just. That weekend, oh, like, it'll be like a ghost town, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, it's going to be so weird, like, especially that game. Like, you think of the big games in the GA, like uh, Kerry and Dublin, Tip Kilkenny. Tip and Cork is probably the standout one, especially in Hurland, especially in Munster. And just for nothing to play for. It's, no, ju- it's, it, it's, not, it, yeah. it's just, especially like for your era, Dahi, as well, like you would have grown up on such um fantastic games like Cork and Tipperary games and now we're seeing this like us oh, just yeah. it's, it's hard to believe. There were fifty thousand sellouts all through the eighties, going back to that great Munster final in eighty four where, you know, tip the, the drought was just over and then they got caught Tony O'Sull and you know, who was the Tipperary goalie at the time and he batted the ball down. Um Tony Sull came in and scored it. Like fifty thousand plus and then the famous Babs one like in ninety one. You know, Tippett won the All-Ireland final in 1989 and when Babs made the comment about donkeys don't win derbies and to be fair to him, it wasn't it wasn't meant as a, as a nasty quote but the, the, the great Canon O'Brien, of course, used it in the dressing room that this is the way he insulted us and it's a great story like Cork went in 10 points up at halftime, totally blown away. Mark Foley scored 2-7 that day and Babs was in the dressing room at halftime and he was trying to exhort the tip lads on like, you know, in front of their own people, Munster final, 50,000 people there. So he says to Ken Hogan, Ken, are we going to win this game? And Ken said, yeah, we will, Babs, we will. Colin Bonner, are we going to win this game? We are, we're going to win it. He says to Joe Hayes, Joe, are we going to win this game? And Joe says, Babs, it's not looking too good at the moment. So, <laughs> all those days are long gone now. We have Rory Waldron here joining us on GA Late Night. Uh, quick glance at your profile, Rory, a uh, Kildare fan. Uh, very pleased to be through to an All-Ireland 20 semi, uh, final even, I bet. Ah, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's very good, like, because we won it there in 2018, um, and we've had good results from minor teams going up, and, but I suppose under 20, after winning the All-Ireland, the following two years, we, I think we lost in the first round to Leash twice, uh, or no, sorry, we lost to Leash in the first round the year after, and then we lost the off, or, yeah, it was Leash again in the semi-final and then stuff, but, yeah, to win an against an All-Ireland Hopefully they can push on then to senior as well because the senior team are Glen Ryan this year um are going well. Could be some weekend for Kildare next week if we do if the, we win in All Ireland we get a Leinster final and uh, there's a feel good thing around Kildare at the moment so hopefully hopefully we can we can do it. It'd be tough against Toronto because they're uh, they look serious but uh, just from knowing a few the Kildare players um uh, you know they're. they're to beat Dublin, like to win a Leinster was obviously the goal, and then from there on, we see what happens, you know. But ah, hopefully, you can win it now because I know it'll be very hard, but still, to win it would be brilliant. And how was the game? Uh, it was 12 points to seven victory over, over Sligo. I saw Sligo absolutely pip Mayo at the death in the uh, dramatic, dramatic scenes in the Connacht uh, uh, final. But um, how was how this Kildare team re- rated locally? Uh, some some talent that Glenn Ryan will be will be looking at in the near distant future. Yeah, to be honest, it's a young enough team, and um, like a lot of that team will go again now next year and under twenty again. Um, 
there's definitely a few like you look at Aaron Brown uh, he's the main one really um, who'll be looking who Glenn will be looking at for next year but it's about like it's, about, it's quite young it's say uh, this baby the year like say the year their first year under 20 this year so they'll be able to play it next year as well it's a young enough team and they're kind of thinking ah it's a, there's a good mix this year we weren't really sure how we get on uh, and we were kind of lucky you think we, yeah it was Leash and Hawkfield um, in the Leinster semi-final and Leash missed a last minute goal that they should have scored and if they scored that then we are out and we kind of just we got a bit of luck there that we probably we needed and we kind of deserved as well because there would have been at the start um, probably would have been talks you know oh, I don't know what this Kildare team is very young a lot of them will just be coming into Kildare this year and this that and the other but uh, you know beat Leash and then we got Dublin um, we're probably you know, we're definitely underdogs to beat Dublin but we were superb that day um, there was the last week or two weeks ago sorry uh, we, were, we were very good and Ah, you know, kind of we were thinking, you know, maybe Dublin to be a tougher game than the Sligo match. Um, and well, I don't. We weren't at our best yesterday. I don't think, and I think the players will say that, and the management will say that as well. We weren't at our best. We got actually go over the line. Um, and it's all all down to Tyrone now. As I said, it's a young team, so this is kind of the say the first year of this project, hopefully. And did you take a little peek then on uh, on the uh, ter- the other semi final today? Tyrone defeating Kerry one fourteen to one twelve. To be doing a bit of scouting. I, I did, yeah, but, but I was down the club match because uh, all of the, the club games in Clare get played on Saturday evenings, but it got moved to the Sunday today, so everyone could go to uh, Breffney Park yesterday. So I kind of got home and got the last, second half of that, and um, then kind of flicked over to the Harlan. Ah, uh, it, it was a good game for what I saw. Um, the kind of black cards kind of killed Kerry a bit. Um, but I, yeah, there's a couple of Tyrone players there now. I don't know their names. The fourteen, you see him all over Twitter. Jay, some like he's he could he looks about twenty seven. Like never mind nineteen. Um, and there's a few others that yeah, there's and of course Canavan as well. Like, I mean. He was always going to be good, wasn't he? Eight points, I think, was it? He he scored today in the in that victory over over Kerry. Yeah, from just glancing at the report here. Um, yeah, like even he scored a sideline there um, in the Ulster thing was it the Ulster final and Jenny. It's, I mean, you just knew you just know what the name anyway. He's got to be one really like his brother, obviously his dad. Like, but ah, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Look, I don't like you can watch the game. I suppose that finals are about kind of performance on the day. You know, you can have all the talent in the world, and then if you don't perform on the day, then you probably won't win the game. So, depends. It all depends who turns up in the day. You know, just we'll get right behind Kildare anyways on Saturday, and hopefully, hopefully, can do the job. And as you said, then just looking quickly, I'm sure that the guys will uh, dial it, come in and, and and talk a bit about the. Uh, if we quickly look ahead, it is the uh, the senior semi-finals in on Sunday in Croker. Which another another set of games, another set of debate about about venues. But uh, fancying yourselves against Westmead to to get to the the Leinster final. Ah, uh, without being now arrogant and cocky, you, you probably have to fancy Clare. You know, we know we're definitely going to be favourites uh, to win. It probably doesn't suit us being favourites, but it kind of just comes part and parcel. 
Um, if you don't meet Dublin then Leinster, you probably end up going to be favourites. Um, you know, ah, yeah, we should win it. Um, again, all comes down to performance. I don't really know what to think of a clean played in Crow Park. You know, I was down in Offaly, uh, down in Tullamore last weekend, and there was five thousand at it, but it felt like the place was full, and there was a good buzz around the place. Whilst if you go to Crow Park, you know, they're saying thirty thousand, but there won't be thirty thousand for the Clare game. Um, we'd be lucky, I'd say twenty thousand at very most, probably fifteen. You know, it'll be nearly like a ghost, ghost stadium. You know, um, you know, maybe Port Leash would have been more suitable. Um, Port Leash or Tullamore again, double header there, but ah, uh, you know you'd have to think we'd win. Um, the team's going very well. Our forwards, I think, you know, I think we're definitely up there, the uh, the best team in the country with the so forwards. Like, uh, going back to our loud match, our loud game there last week, we all six of our forwards scored. You know, like so, it just it, we're not just down to like you know you hear the headlines from Kildare, Jimmy Highland. Dan Flynn, but we have others like um we've Dara Carwin coming off the bench, he scored one three. Um, you know, players coming all around. Kevin Flynn from wing back, very good. Uh, there's, there's scores all around that team. Um Paddy Woodgate coming on. Um, you know, and even young like Brian McLaughlin there, he started and he was on I think I'm right in saying he was on the under twenty team that won the All Ireland against Mayo, so it's kind of it's it's been a slow burner, but it's coming through now in Kildare. Thank eventually, we said that plenty of times before. But ah, sure, you know, it's, there's feel as I said, it's, there's good good feeling around the place at this moment. And I uh, just on the whole setup of the the venues and uh, having the uh, having both semi-finals in Crow Park seems a bit excessive uh, to me. I'm not sure what what, what your views are, Di. I'm sure he's a hundred percent dead right there. Like twenty thousand, probably max lost in Crow Park. I, I I don't understand the logic. I don't know enough about it. It's a provincial ground, um, nailed on. Be it be it Portlaoise or Tullamore. Like the, I was I was at the Kildare Offaly uh, football game a couple of weeks ago. There, just what an atmosphere there was. Even for the minor yesterday, great atmosphere, great stadium, capable of holding it, and that's what you want. Like. You know, I mean, to talk about the GA being a fabric of local society, etc. Like, we missed out on the dubs coming down last week. Obviously, Wexford beating us in the senior, but there was a great sense of excitement around the place that the dubs could be coming down, albeit you could be on the end of a hiding. But it was just a buzz that was going to be around, and the business is doing well, and the town thriving on a day. Like, I mean, all of, all of that's important to the local community who all invest kind of in their local GEA and invest in the kind of stadium that was built there. All the businesses around would have raised money and invested their own money into that stadium. And then you see it going up to, to Crow Park. It just, listen, I mean, you know, we'll all watch the games and I can't wait for it. And I think it'll be a Kildare Dublin final, to be honest with you. But like, if that was down the way there, you go to it in your own town, you go to it, you'd have a great crowd and a great sense of atmosphere about it. I remember Galway Hurlers and Offaly, a number of years ago, and about 15,000 added on Saturday evening. It was just brilliant altogether. So I, I really don't get the logic of it. Yeah, same boat. I just don't un- understand it at all, lads. Like, as you, as you said, Dahi, like, imagine if that game was in Navin, like, between Dublin and Mead. Like, not, like that would be full out with just Mead people alone, never mind the dubs. Like, Mead people would love to see Dublin come, coming to Navin and, you know, maybe taking a scalp. And likewise, Kildare and Westmead, whether that was in Mullingar, or Newbridge, like 
atmosphere. Like again, we've we've all been to Crow Park when it when it's half full, and it just doesn't provide the same atmosphere as like a full stadium. And whether that stadium only holds eleven thousand or twenty thousand, you know, it's even for the players just to play in a full stadium. It makes such a difference to the occasion. To the and that's the thing as well. Like when you're going to a match, it's more than a match. It's a, it's an occasion. Like you have young kids who probably go into their first ever game. This is a huge experience for them. And I think the GA have really missed out here not playing these games in a provincial ground rather than Crow Park. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's certainly a debate that will go on and go about and it seems to be, unfortunately, seems to be a, a debate nearly every week. We have a debate over a venue, whether it be for a music concert taking place or uh, playing them centrally or whatnot and make them in more suitable. But I think we will, uh, I think we're coming close to the, the last orders we're called. I think we're ringing the bell. Hop in one last thing. Yeah, of course. Um, along with Crow Park, uh, like the adult tickets are thirty quid for that match. Um, you know, if, say you're coming from Mead, you know, you're probably driving. That's petrol costs and all. You know, it all adds up. And now I know you could go to a provincial ground. It could be ton more, be further again. But like the ticket pricing for, you know, it's I know fair enough. The kids kids tickets are five, but that's. You know, that's brilliant value and all that, but 30 euro for, if you bring a family, that's 30 quid each for the two adults, that's 60 quid alone, and then you might bring a couple of kids or whatever. You know, it all adds up, and and is for what, like, for, uh, wouldn't even say a half throw pack, it's got to be, as I said, 20,000 20, most for a Kildare game, and a lot of, you know, I can imagine a lot of Kildare supporters and Laos supporters will probably leave before the Dublin Mead match as well. And likewise, the Dublin and Mead supporters won't come for the Kildare game. Um, I think it's just I don't I think it's a crazy decision having in Crow Park, really, because if you do nationally enough for Crow Park, you have to up the ticket prices then to get to cover the costs, you know. And I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true, but it's thirty you need to have Crow Park at thirty thousand people in there to cover the cost of just opening it. So it's why why try to get the thirty thousand there when you could just open the Tullamore or Port Leash or Wherever, you know, I don't know. I suppose the bay for hours about that, though. <laughs> yeah, I think no more than the venues, the ticket prices is another issue that seems to crop up, uh, crop up quite a quite a good bit. But uh, it could be a very successful weekend, uh, all the same, no matter where the games are, are played. Rory, uh, it'd be one hell of a weekend, as you said, for Kildare if they were to win the under twenty All Ireland and then follow it up with a. Leinster semi-final victory over Westmead uh, to, to get to a Leinster final. Um, you'd certainly be a lot happier if you join us uh, next weekend if, if those two results go your way. Well, I tell you, I'll be, I'll be first in the queue for next week if we do win the two games. <laughs> I'll be queuing from the under-20 game and on the senior match, so that'll be brilliant. Very good. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us uh, here here on, on GA Late Night. I think, folks, we'll uh, I think we'll call it a halt. It's been um, not a lot of games, has been said, but plenty of talking points uh, over the uh, the weekend's games and uh, a lot to look forward to next weekend as well. Those Leinster senior semi-final, football semi-finals that we discussed. You also have the big game in Ulster. Can Derry keep that run, run going? They will have one hell of a battle against Monon. What a game. That promises to be, and then more tasty as always is in in Munster, in the Munster hurling Waterford versus Cork. What a Cork back up their sleeve, and Clare versus Limerick. We will see how things go, but uh, a, a busy weekend ahead as well, Dahi, to look forward to. Yeah, 
you know, we were just saying it this morning there. I mean, it won't be too long before, if you want to do something for the rest of your summer, like it won't be too long before you'll have plenty of time to do it. So it's kind of unique this year. They're coming fast and furious at the moment. And um, But I think when the inter-county is over, like the club last year was phenomenal and TG Carr in particular deserve wonderful credit for the coverage that they gave and brought it kind of to countrywide. So, yeah, we still have more than just the inter-county. We still have an awful lot of, of, of good games to, to see later this year. Uh, we cer- we certainly do uh, indeed, and uh, I know the club scene uh, was. Uh, if there's anything good to come out of the last couple of years, I think that's club scene is striving and striving. It's a lot of people that have, might have been working away in the bigger cities or even abroad have come back home, and the at the benefits of uh, so many people being uh, have the facilities now to work from home. Uh, I know even here. Back in Galway, um, you've seen lads that would have been away or now uh, they're now at home. They're able to train twice a week uh, down in the local field. So it does make a big difference. And the, the club championships are, are, are absolutely striving as well. So uh, uh, the uh, the inter- the uh, GA calendar doesn't finish come the end of July. I know I certainly die. There'll be a lot of uh, a lot of games come throughout the rest of the, the months as well ahead. That's it. Anyway, another weekend to look forward to next weekend. Certainly do. Thank you very much, Dahi, for joining us. Thanks for everyone for uh, for joining in. Have a good weekend and uh, we'll chat to you all next week on GA Late Night.